you need to become a real podcaster and get like an actual dedicated stand for my microphone instead of just using a tripod and having to like change the configuration every time because you know sometimes I'm using it for videos and sometimes I'm using it for podcasts and blah 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 hi <laughs> hello vampires and slayers this is Mixtress Ray and you're listening to what's this bitch talking about to which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means, Serena, <laughs> earlier I like, you had commented that you were listening to my podcast on my YouTube channel, and I told you I was recording Weight of the World tonight. I had that completely wrong. That's next week. This week we're recording Spiral. So this week we're talking about Buffy, Spiral, Shout out to my new listener, Serena. Shout out to everyone else. If you ever want to argue with me on anything that I say on this podcast, you can email me at... I always like get confused. Which email address do I give? I don't know. Let's say Ray at ProtonMail. That's M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E at ProtonMail.com. Okay. So, how are you guys? <laughs> it's already 1040 at night when I'm getting started. Let's burn some incense, shall we? I want to burn, I don't know what's in this little baggie, but I want to burn what's in this little baggie here. Whatever it is. Hmm, smells good. Oh, I think it's spiritual guide. Okay, sure. We need some spiritual guidance to get through this episode of Buffy. So let's light it, okay? I've got four candles going in here. That seems reasonable. I can see my notes, so that's enough. Okay, lighting incense. You guys want to listen to me light incense, don't ya? Okay, let's get to the beginning of the notes because we're going to talk about Angel, the Angel episode first. which is called Over the Rainbow. Okay, so we begin with Cordelia is in Pylea, which is the planet that Lorne is from. Ah, okay, I'm very tired. Uh, Michael and I went on a, like, I always time it because he argues with me about how long it takes on this hike. It was an over, it was a little over an hour and 45 minutes, the whole hike. We took our, both of our dogs are super old now. So we took the youngest who was still like, um, 12 or 13, I think. I don't know exactly, but I think he's about 13 at this point. So we took our youngest, we decided not to take, usually we take both of them. And um, he was very, very, very tired. I don't know if we should take him on hikes that long from now on, which would be totally sad to go on a super long hike without a dog. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> have you guys ever gone on a super long hike without a dog? Crazy talk. Anyway, so let's talk about this Over the Rainbow episode of Angel really quick. So Cordelia is in Pylea, 
Angel is um, tries to open the portal immediately after she goes through. They discover that um, they can't open it because it's like the energy has gone down, so it's not opening, so it needs to like recharge or something. I don't know. And let's see, what else? We find out that on Lauren's planet, on Pylea, they do not respect human beings. Human beings are referred to as cows and they are used for unpaid slave labor. Um, Lauren starts describing how awful it is, you know, that, you know, humans are cows, that they don't have music in Pylea, that, you know, he wasn't some kind of sorceress that found a way to get to earth it was just a portal happened to open and he accidentally stepped into it and then he he had always hated his home planet always and being transported to earth he was happy there and he started that bar that karaoke bar or whatever and he swore he would never go back so he's like i'm not going Gun's like, I'm not going, because he just got back from the funeral of one of his um, friends, and, you know, he's feeling really bad for abandoning them and all of that shit, and so he says he's not going, and for some reason Angel's super pissed off about the fact that neither Gun nor Lorne want to go, and I get why he would want Lorne to go, like, it would be within angel's nature to kind of force Lorne into going because that's his home planet he needs him to navigate this his home planet um but it makes total sense to me that gun wouldn't want to go like he hasn't known them all that long he's you know he's been sort of abandoning his family to a certain degree. I mean, not his literal family, because I think the only family that he had was his sister who got turned into a vampire and then he had to kill her. But I mean, again, I talked about it last week. It just, they're not writing gun realistically because, you know, who would just this is a person that has somebody, you know, most of the time, like the people that end up in Angel's orbit are people that don't have other connections. So their family is, you know, Angel and Cordelia and Wesley, but for Gunn, he already has people. He already has friends and he just completely abandons them because I think we're supposed to think that Angel and Wesley and Cordelia are better people than Gunn's people. We don't get to ever, like, even find out. I mean, like, maybe we found out their names for a second, but, you know, they're not supposed to be important to the story. They're not important to the story, and they're not supposed to be important to us. So they're written as if they're not really that important to Gunn either, you know? I just hate that. Anyway, um... Cordelia is sold as a cow to someone, so she's doing slave labor, and then she sees Fred. Fred is in the same, like, household or whatever that Cordelia was sold to, and um, then we get, hey, Angel, the show, passing the Bechdel test, because Cordelia and Fred meet 
actually, technically, we don't find out Fred's name in this episode. Although, like, we did find out her name in the last episode, and we, I think we should know at this point that it's her, but I don't think Cordelia knows that it's her yet. So maybe an argument could be made that this episode did not pass the Bechtel test, because even though Fred and Cordelia talk to each other about something other than a man in this episode, we don't yet get acknowledgement, you know, like she didn't introduce herself or any, they didn't introduce themselves to each other. So I guess it kind of doesn't, but I got excited for a second because I thought maybe it did. <laughs> anyway, um, we get Angel is leaving a message, like a real doomsday message for someone on his phone. Like, like this is, this is when the lease is up. This is this, this is this, if we never make it back. And I'm thinking, who's he talking to? At first I was like, maybe Buffy, but he wouldn't be saying all this like businessy shit to Buffy because she wouldn't care, you know? And plus, how's he going to get a hold of Buffy right now because she's on the run at the same time that this whole thing is happening. So she doesn't have a phone. Anyway, um, flashback to Pylea, or not flashback, but you know what I'm saying. Back to Pylea, Cordelia's having a vision in front of her slave master person and um, the town like gathers around her and they point at her at, cause she's explaining the vision to them. She's like, I, I have these visions. I, you need to go help this person. This person is here and it's going to get it and they're going to get attacked by this. And, you know, she tries to like give them the message of the vision and they all just stand around and point at her and tell and yell curse, curse. Um, gun shows up and decides, yeah, my next note is just gun is here and they go through the portal. Oh, just a note, Angel has a Bast statue on his desk. I'd never seen that before. So the um, Egyptian goddess Bast is like, you know, you've probably seen it even if you didn't know the name for it. It's just like a little statue, Egyptian cat statue of a black cat, you know. He had that, I noticed that whenever he was like hanging up the phone after his cryptic voice message. Um, there's all kinds of sirens going on in my neighborhood. I literally had to wait to start recording because sirens were going off for like a full five minutes before I pressed record. I guess I'll pause it for a second and see if they die down. Okay, whatever. You guys don't care, right? <laughs> Hopefully it won't get too loud. Um... Hopefully there's not like a house burning down in the neighborhood or something. I hate that. Okay. <laughs> I hope everyone's all right. That's what I hope. Um, my dog, he would normally be howling when there's sirens, but he's not right now. That's how fucking pooped he is. He's just kind of like laying down going, I hope you guys don't need me for anything because I'm dead. <laughs> Poor baby. Okay. We had to like help him into the car because he's just like, he's getting to that point where like, it's hard for him to like, he's having some hip dysplasia issues, you know, it's not super bad, but, um, he was just so tired when we got back from that hike that he couldn't get up into the car at first and eventually he got it, but 
because he's very heavy and it would have been awkward to try to like lift him up but I mean we would have if we had to of course anyway um <laughs> I know you guys are I mean nobody ever complains about the fact that I just do these little sidetracks and talk about my life so thank you for listening I really appreciate you like I really do okay um so Gunn shows up, he decides he's going to go at the last minute when they're ready to go through the portal. So Wesley has figured out how to go through the portal. Um, I totally skipped over some shit. There was this really cool scene actually with Lauren. Lauren goes to visit someone that we've never seen before. Forgot what the character's name is, but she's a psychic. And um, he, you know, so is he, but you know, he, she is who the psychic goes to for psychic advice and I just really like this scene with her I don't think we ever see her again or if we do it's just very you know just for a scene or something in the future and I don't remember it but she seemed like a really cool character I want to see more of her she seems cool I would love to watch a show with her at the head of the show because it looked like her life was interesting she was on like a 1-800-PSYCHIC kind of phone call whenever Lauren showed up and then she just hung up on that person and she talked to Lauren for a few minutes and it turns out she's a super legit actual psychic and I wanted to see more of that I just that was cool that was a cool scene anyway I skipped over that um so Gunn shows up Wesley has figured out like so Lauren found out where there was another hotspot because they have to wait for the portal to recharge the one that's in the karaoke bar and they don't have time to wait you know they got to go save Cordelia and um then there was a problem with like if you're going through the portal at the same time as someone else you're not going to show up in the same spot so they were trying to figure out how to make them all show up in the same spot and their solution was to drive through the portal in Angel's car because why not I guess so they drive through the portal Wesley Gunn Angel and Lorne so four dudes going to save Cordelia one thing that is kind of pissing me off about this whole thing is we're getting a lot in this particular story arc of Angel we're getting like more than usual objectification of Cordelia of Charisma Carpenters Cordelia character you know she's she looks hot she's in like a denim onesie situation she looks good of course she's probably been working out working her fucking ass off she's probably been tanning and all kinds of things because at the end of this episode she's gonna be in a fucking like princess Leia sequin bikini situation which bugs me to no end that they're doing this to her like she's supposed to be a respected character and they're doing things like somebody lassos her in this episode and like they do like a close-up of her torso like her head's not in the shot and as the like ropes are going around her and they go like perfectly right above and below her breasts so that they're super emphasized and her arms are tied down and then we're gonna see her in like the sequin bikini in like the entire next episode as that reveal was at the end of this episode and it's just 
I just, especially now that I know all the falderall of like how shitty Joss Whedon treated Cordelia behind the scenes, treated Charisma Carpenter behind the scenes. Sorry, just Charisma, Cordelia, 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 Charisma. Uma, Oprah, Oprah, Uma. <laughs> anyway, um, it just, anyway, anyway, let's move on because I don't want to talk about Angel for too long. Okay, um, they go through the portal, they get on the other side, and um, it's daytime, which why didn't they think of this beforehand? They're going to another dimension. They don't know if it's going to be daytime when they get there. Angel should have been prepared for sunlight, but he starts freaking out immediately because it's daytime, thinking that he's going to get burned up, and then he finds out the sun's on Pylea, and there are two do not burn Angel. So then we get this whole ridiculous giddy scene with Angel just completely forgetting that he needs to make haste and save Cordelia. And he's just like frolicking around in the sunlight for a second because he realizes he can. And I mean, it's cute, of course, if you're not worried about the time factor. Um, another thing that annoys me about this episode which is not even looking at my notes. I'm just talking about things that annoy me. <laughs> so Fred has been here in this dimension. I can't remember, but I think in the last episode, we got the information that she has been there for five years in this other dimension. As far as we know, that there's not a time dilation situation here. I think five years in Pylea is also five years in, on Earth. So I think she's been missing for five full years. Maybe it was three, but I think it was five. So that means that Fred has been in this other dimension working as a human cow slave. And she hasn't been able to, like, she doesn't have a lot of agency. She was able to, like deactivate her like shock collar that's around her neck or whatever but and maybe we'll find out that she's done more for herself in the time that she's been there but and Cordelia doesn't it just immediately sort of just she talks back to everyone in this episode but she's just sort of like I'm just waiting for Angel to come save me whatever so in Joss Whedon's universe the only woman that really truly has agency is Buffy because she is the chosen one. It's like in his universe, there is one woman that is not like other, not like the other girls that can fight for herself, but everyone else in his universe needs to be saved by Angel, apparently, you know, <laughs> anyway. That just like struck me watching it. I don't think I've really thought that before watching this episode. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that like this time through watching Angel um, for this podcast is only like my third time through. But anyway, so it just bugged me that like Fred and Cordelia are just sort of waiting. I mean, in Fred's case, I think she just kind of has lost herself at this point. She's not waiting for anyone to save her necessarily, but she's not really taking matters into her own hands. And Cordelia just, it doesn't even occur to her to try to do anything. She's just trying to like waste time until Angel comes to save her. Anyway, that just bugged me. It's just like, yeah, well, 
she's just a regular human, so she's going to have to have Angel save her, of course. There's a funny joke about xenophobia, like Gunn doesn't know what xenophobia is, and he's like, Xena, why would someone be afraid of Xena? I think she's fly. <laughs> that was a cute moment, but also, like, was it a cute moment, or were they making fun of the only black character? Like, he's not smart enough to know what xenophobia means. Of course, did I know what xenophobia meant before this episode of Angel, and it was explained in this episode of Angel? Probably not. So, I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, there's... I have two more sentences of notes for this episode. The boys are kidnapped, and they're waiting to be sentenced. So, they get there after Angel's like, Woohoo! Sunlight! From Frolics Around. They cover up the car with some brush or whatever which is what people always do in TV shows. <laughs> cover the car with some brush. There's always enough branches hanging around to just completely cover a car. Whatever. And they pretty immediately, like, get captured, and they're going to be sentenced, and they take them into a room, and they're, like, ready to fight. And then the reveal at the very end of the episode is Cordelia sitting on a throne, in a fucking silver holographic Princess Leia looking bikini. So, to be continued, but um, yeah. Basically, she's revered as a princess. That's what we're going to get in the next episode. So that's the Angel episode. Don't have much to say about that. Like, I know I don't normally, like, give ratings for Angel episodes, but, like, it was fine. It had funny moments, but a lot of aspects of this episode just pissed me off, as you just saw, just heard. So, I don't know. I'd give it, like, a 2.5, like, as far as, like, if I were comparing it against my very favorite episode of Angel ever, which I don't even know what that would be, so it's a low bar. If I were comparing it against that, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. So forget it. I'm not finishing that sentence because I don't want to waste the time on it. So let's move on to the Buffy episode, shall we? Okay, so we are picking up right where we left off in the last episode. Um, basically, the last four episodes of this season of Buffy are just going to be like 100% intense the whole time. So... Um, and the end of the last episode, Glory had just, like, pulled the wall down of Tara's dorm room or whatever. And, um, so we just, we're just picking up right after that moment. So Glory's there. Buffy immediately grabs Dawn and starts running. Willow immediately, like, casts a spell to, like, disorient Glory or push her back or something. She does something. Basically, I feel like this episode is the first time we're seeing Willow in combat just sort of like throwing, slinging spells left and right. I feel like she's never really done this before. Like, she's done big spells before, but they've been like planned spells where she's out of the line of fire and she does a spell. But at this point, maybe that's whenever she went after Glory and did those spells 
after she looked at the darkest magic book in like the last episode I think it was the last episode yeah it was um maybe that was kind of a turning point for her that makes sense that actually that tracks so in this ep throughout this episode you know Buffy's just constantly like asking her to do things like put up a barrier take down a barrier open a door like whatever whatever she's just sort of at a moment's notice summoning crazy spells in combat which I just don't think we've seen Willow do that before so that's kind of cool but at the same time we know what comes from that you know so there's a dark undercurrent to that but it's helpful right now okay so Buffy's running she ends up having to pick up Dawn and there's this really funny moment where like the stunt double is clearly carrying a dummy a, a Dawn dummy so it looks a little silly but then she sets her down and Glory's standing there and um she just says this is a pretty quick scene this whole thing she's just like last words slay runt and Buffy's just like just one truck and then a gigantic semi truck hits glory Buffy takes Dawn and they continue running and as glory is like on the hood of the semi or whatever crunched all the fuck she morphs into Ben so um they're back at Xander's house and Buffy is I think this is played well I like this arc as far as the plot goes of Buffy just being this whole episode is just like more and more and more shit piled on Buffy just leading up to that last moment where she goes catatonic and I think it makes sense um she's just all this shit is piling on her you know like all this stuff with Dawn the stuff with Riley the stuff with her mom you know just like thing after thing after thing and at this point you feel it you just feel how overwhelmed she is and so they're at Xander's and everybody's there and Giles is like okay well maybe we should go back to the magic box and regroup maybe we can check and he like lists a certain book maybe we can check the blah 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 index again or whatever it is codex whatever encyclopedia darkest magic I don't know <laughs> uh, maybe there's something in there and he's like putting out possibilities and everybody else is just kind of like like it's a regular Scooby meeting you know they're sort of like okay this is a thing this is our next thing we gotta figure out what to do and Buffy's like no she's gonna keep coming I don't know how that truck even slowed her down I don't know how we got away she's going to keep coming until we're all dead we need to run and it was it was interesting because I feel like they have actually raised the stakes sufficiently at this point at this point I think it was it's possible that they didn't know if they were gonna be canceled or not I think they thought that this was the end of Buffy possibly um, Joss Whedon has said before in interviews that like he kind of tried to play the end of every single season as if what if they don't come back he wanted to make sure that every single season ended in a way that could be the end of the series if it had to be but particularly that's the case with this season like 
They killed her. They're, I mean, <laughs> if this is your first time listening to this Buffy podcast, probably it's not. But if it is, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Buffy gonna die in two weeks from today. She's gonna die. So they just thought that they, I mean, they killed her off. They didn't know if they were coming back. So what was my point of that? I don't know. Hold on. Let me regroup for a second. It's been a long day. Anyway, I just think that this plot device is effective. This, this lead up to Buffy going catatonic because she's just so fucking overwhelmed from everything. I mean, maybe that just feels like a great plot point to me personally, because every time I'm in a trauma situation or just any kind of stressful situation, I just shut down. I am always the freeze of fight, flight, or freeze. So I very much relate to going catatonic when everyone's asking you what, what to do and everyone's looking to you for answers. <laughs> I highly identify with that. So I like that because they've never played that with Buffy before. They've never sort of I mean, the last time they played her as just being completely overwhelmed by everything was at the end of season one, when she was confronting the prophecy that she was going to die. That was really the last time I remember seeing Buffy that completely overwhelmed and feeling like she doesn't have what it takes, you know? Glory is truly the biggest I mean, the first evil in the last of the seventh season, I, in the seventh season, is probably the biggest big bad. They had to raise the stakes that high for the very, very end. But up to this point, Glory is the biggest thing they've had to fight. I mean, she basically has limitless powers. Like, they basically say at some point during this episode, the only weakness that she has is the fact that she's trapped in a human male's body, that it, sometimes it wanes, you know, her, her power wanes enough that he can take over. And whenever he takes over her body, he's just a human. So that's literally her only weakness. Otherwise she would have basically limitless powers like fucking Superman or whatever. So, okay, now that I've gone on a little rant, let me get back to my notes. Um, again, with the, like, Dawn refers to Gloria Skanky in this scene when they're at Xander's, and that's not the first time that's happened. It might not be the last. Like, this sort of narrative device of, like, a female character that we're not supposed to like just being referred to as Skanky, like... I hate that. I just, I mean, it's just, it's very tone deaf now, right? Like, people don't do that anymore, do they? Hopefully not. I like when Anya's like, you want to run away? Finally, a sensible plan, because that totally tracks with Anya in general. Like, whenever we first met her, you know, a few episodes later, there was the apocalypse of season three, and she was like, I'm going to get out of town, because uh, apocalypse, bye. Um, and she tried to get Xander to go with her. Let's see. 
this was my question. Why do they all have to go? Like, I get Buffy's... I get why she wants to run away. But why do they all have to go? Like, she should just take Dawn and go. And if she wants to take Spike with her because he's super powered and he might be able to help if they catch up to them, fine. But why take everybody else? Like, surely Glory would not... I mean, she doesn't need to, like, torture anyone to find out who the key is anymore because now she knows. Um, so why would she go after any of them? Like, they could just hide somewhere while Buffy runs with Dawn, right? But, you know, whatever. Um, we finally meet one of... This is the first time we've ever seen one of Glory's minions be a woman, right? So we meet... Or female presenting, I guess. Um... We meet this new minion. I don't think we get a name for this minion. And one of the things that she said that I just thought was funny when she was talking to Ben, her magnificent incandescence was returned to this manly and painfully handsome assemblage. Manly and painfully handsome assemblage. He is though, right? Ben is a cutie. I love his like blown back sort of like feathered Farrah Fawcett hair. It's it's so good. I'm glad he doesn't have like, I don't know, I really hate that like, I guess that wasn't until like later in the 2000s, like 2005-ish before we got like the the emo curtain of hair in your eyes look. I've never liked that just because it distracts me because if I had that hair I would just hate it because it, it just, you, sticky sticky hair in your eyes. Like, no. Why did anyone like that? But Ben's hair, it looks good. I like his hair. I really do. And it's not even necessarily a haircut that would have been common at this time period. It just, it just looks good. He just looks good. He's a cutie. Um, I think this might be the quote of the episode. Um, it's just a quote, I guess it's, it's a dialogue exchange of the episode where, so everybody's like, Buffy's just like, okay, everybody get your shit together. I'm going to go figure out how we're getting away and I'll be back. And so everybody's waiting outside. Everybody except Dawn is waiting outside the magic box, I assume, because they did get a book because Willow has a book. So I think it's the book that Giles referred to that they need to go back to the magic box for. So I think they're waiting outside the magic box. I don't know for sure. But they're just kind of like waiting on a bench for Buffy to show up. And Anya um, asks, anyone else feel that? And Willow's like, what? The cold draft of paralyzing fear? <laughs> so I think that's the quote of the episode right there. Um... And then Giles is like, as soon as Buffy arrives, you know, he's like, we just need to stay calm. We just need to stay calm. As soon as Buffy arrives and then like an RV or mobile motorhome or mo motorhome, is that a phrase? I think it's just like an RV or something. Shows up and the door opens and Giles is like, we'll feel oddly worse. He's like, as soon as Buffy arrives, we'll, we'll feel oddly worse. 
that was just a cute moment whenever they're like all getting in the RV and um, Spike is at the wheel and he's wearing like goggles and they've like foiled all the windows so that, you know, he can drive and it's ridiculous because how would he be able to see anything? He wouldn't be able to see out the side mirrors. Like he has a tiny little hole cut in the foil. Why would Gile, why would Spike ever drive a car? He's a vampire. Like someone else should be driving. I know Buffy is, drives like a spaz as Principal Snyder said in season three, but anyway, whatever. So Spike is driving, Giles and Xander get all manly whenever they first get into, like all the women walk into the RV first, like Anya, Willow, Tara, and they're all just kind of like, okay, accepting the situation as it is. But both Giles and Xander like stop and they're kind of like, what is Spike doing here? It's like, really? Like, I get the whole what is Spike doing here thing, but why would it just be the guys that need to confront that situation? Toxic masculinity, am I right? So, um, we get, like, a scene with a couple of the Knights of Byzantium guys go to the hospital. They sign for getting their friend out, the Knights of Byzantium guy that Glory brain-sucked. A few episodes ago, they're, they're getting him out of the hospital, and then they reunite with, like, the general guy, which this is the first time we've seen him, I'm pretty sure, and um, he's like, and the, the brain-sucked guy says something about a bright, shiny little girl key, and they're like, what? The key is a, is a human? And then they're like, what do they say? Prepare to advance. And then we see a scene that's like, obviously they're like, they had a, like a bunch of like smoke and stuff. They were trying to make it look like it was just like endless hordes of people, but on a low budget TV show, you know? Um, so bunch of knights on horses, all of them are men and they're riding and the biggest what moment of this whole episode is how the fuck do they ever catch up to them? How do they know where to go? How do they find them? Like, there is no reason why these Knights of Byzantium would know to find the Slayer in a crappy old RV that she just got a hold of 20 minutes ago. Like, that is ridiculous. I wish they would have had almost every, like, ridiculous plot point of Buffy if they had just thrown in a little throwaway line of some kind. Like, that's all I need. I just need some sort of explanation. Like, maybe the brain-sucked guy has some sort of, like, keydar or something where he can, like, if they had provided some tiny little, well, somehow he knows where we're going. Okay, let's go that way. Let's follow him. Like they could have just like had him at the front, like because he'd been, because they have all these other moments of like 
people that have been brain sucked by glory, they kind of know things about the key and that kind of stuff. So maybe he knows, like that would have been an easy explanation for how they fucking found them, but that's not there. That's not there. We have a funny little moment where Giles has taken over driving. So we need to assume that it's been hours that they've been on the road, I guess, because Giles is driving now and somebody's telling him to, or Spike's like telling him to step on it or something. And he's like, I've driven tricycles with more power, <laughs> which is funny. Um, Xander's all barfy. Anya takes a, um, a frying pan, which of course is shorthand for the chick's going to hit somebody with a frying pan trope later on. She pulls out a can of Spam and she's like, anybody want snacks? Just funny. Just, I love it. I love a Spam joke. I'm here for it every time. Um, Tara opens the curtains and um, Spike gets, you know, sizzled by the opening of the curtains for a second. I don't know why I wrote that down or why I even mentioned it. Let's move on. Um, Don goes to talk to Buffy because Buffy basically just like, as soon as like Xander and Giles were all like, what's Spike doing here? He doesn't need to be here. Me, me, he ain't got all manly. Buffy was like, this is not a discussion. And then she runs to the back of the RV and slams the door because there's like a little, a little RV bedroom or whatever in the back. So she's been sulking in there by herself this entire time. Um, so Dawn goes to talk to her and they have a sweet little conversation of like, you know, Dawn's like, thank you for everything you've done for me. And Buffy's like, and we get a real moment where she's just like, it just keeps coming. You know, Riley, my mom, Glory, you know, like it just keeps coming. It just keeps piling on and you can tell how overwhelmed she is still. And Dawn's just like, well, there's a bright side. At least it can't get any crazier. And then of course, right after that, like an arrow comes into the RV right next to Buffy's head. And she's like, you know, it's your fault for saying that, right? Um, oh, and I wrote down something that Buffy said during this conversation too, in my notes, I'm the chosen one, chosen one, all mythic and defendery evil nasties are supposed to flee from me. Um, how the hell did they find them? We already, we already dealt with that point. Um, Tara yells out the window, horsies, because all the knights show up and it's, it's a siege, you know, this is a scary scene. Like arrows are coming into the RV from all angles. Um, yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Then there's like a whole fight scene with Buffy on top of the RV fighting everybody and she kind of defeats them and they think they're in the clear and then Giles gets speared. He gets speared and he loses control of the RV and it tips over. And then I think at that point is probably a commercial break of some kind. And of course we get Anya hitting the Knights of Byzantium with the frying pan that happened before, before, you know, Giles got speared. Um, 
Oh, yeah, and I wrote, shouldn't Xander be driving? Because, like, this whole scene, we're getting all this, like, Xander can't help at all because he's just super barfy and he's having motion sickness, which, again, I call bullshit. I call bullshit on so many plot points in this episode. Because, you know, his whole thing after high school was that he went on, like, a road trip. He was going to drive across all of America. He's going to see all 50 states. Um, and then there was the joke that, like, did anyone tell him about Hawaii and Alaska? <laughs> like, um, maybe you can get to Alaska. I don't know. I don't know anything about geography, so I'm just as stupid as Xander was in high school. Um, so he went on a huge road trip by himself, like, and there's that joke with, where Anya's like, he doesn't travel well. He's like, fine shrimp. Um, and like, then why would he have gone on a huge road trip all by himself if he just is barfy the second he gets in the car? Like, there's just no reason for this plot point of Xander being barfy in this episode. It makes no sense. Plus, the thing with being motion sick and barfy on the road is that if you're the one driving, it doesn't affect you as badly. So they should have just had Xander drive. And then Xander could have gotten speared, and it would have been fine. <laughs> like, Giles is going to be fine. We all know Giles is going to be fine. But I don't want to see Giles in peril. Ever. Ever. Okay? It should have been Xander. That's, just, that's all I'm saying. Um, okay. Ready to turn the page. I have to pick up my candle to turn the page. Okay. Um... Then, so the next scene is them running after the RV is tipped over and they're trying to find shelter. They find some like abandoned old convenience store or something, I guess. It's empty. They break in. Um, I just feel like Buffy should be more concerned about Giles. You know, she's not, I don't know, I just feel like this episode would have been more effective if she would have, like, because she's been super overwhelmed by everything, right? I feel like she should just fucking lose her shit and get really emotional over the fact that Giles is injured. But she's not. She's just sort of, like, acting like it's just another, I guess, it's just another thing. Like, whatever. How is he? How is he, Will? Like, I don't know. She's just not reacting as bigly as I think that she should be in this moment because you know that's one more thing that's you know like her, her mom's dead Riley has left her everything fucking sucks now Giles's life is in danger like that should the emotional point being driven home of just like the emotional weight of Giles being possibly mortally wounded did not hit quite as hard as it could have had she reacted more to it. You know, I just feel like they kind of didn't, they just didn't play it right. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're going to stab Giles and make us worried for him, make us really worried for him, you know? And we are really only worried for him because of how much we love Giles, not because of 
the storytelling. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I just thought it was, I noted that Spike and Buffy are now moving a vending machine. I don't know if they meant for that to be kind of like a parallel between Tara and Willow moving the vending machine. I mean, I know that was totally different circumstances, but they were still running from an evil and moving a vending machine. Just saying. Um, everything really feels very hopeless in this moment because like the entire crusade, all the flaming arrows, all that shit's happening now that they're inside the convenience store just like when they were in the RV. It's like everything just feels so fucking hopeless. So they did do a good job with driving home that point. That's the main point of the episode. It's just like everything feeling so overwhelming and hopeless. And they did a good job at that. So in this moment, everything's overwhelming and hopeless. Um, flaming arrows coming in everywhere. What the fuck are we going to do, Buffy? What the fuck are we going to do? And then uh, Willow gets like a protective barrier put up, a magic barrier. So then they get a little bit of calm at that point, which is nice. And the general is inside with them. So they're able to just kind of like tie him up and get some information out of him. And he seems to have no problem telling them everything. So we actually get some good exposition in this episode. Like he tells them who Glory is, what she, who Glory really is, more information about her, what she wants. Um, I mean, obviously she wants the key, but what the key does, the key opens the door to all the dimensions. All Glory really wants is to go home because she had been banished from her own hell dimension. And they get the, the information that she is trapped inside the body of a mortal male. So, um, we just get all kinds of information. Um, Here's a question that I had. Again, I'm just picking a point so many plot, picking apart so many plot points. I don't think I've ever had this thought before and I've seen every episode of Buffy at least five times, probably more. And I've never had this thought before, but why can't they just, why? Okay, this is another situation that like the plot inconsistencies for me could have been saved by like just a couple of throwaway lines would have made me happy and they didn't do it but you know they even make the point in this episode that like the key is inside dawn it isn't her it is inside her they make that distinction um and it might just be buffy saying that to comfort dawn but why have they not at all looked into a spell, especially now that Willow is so fucking powerful, a spell to separate the key aspect from Dawn the person, you know? And again, they could have explained this with one throwaway line. They could have had like, you know, somebody ask, why can't we just take the key out of Dawn? Like Anya could have asked that. And then Giles could have said, well, yeah, we already looked into that and we couldn't do it without killing her. Maybe that's said at some point, but I don't think it is. I just, you know, come on. <laughs> but 
Buffy the show has never really been that great with plot points. Like, thinking too hard about the plot points. Which, of course, that's what you do when you're analyzing art. So, here we are. Um, Tara starts saying, it's time, it's time. She starts freaking out. Um, we get, like, a little moment of seeing the people that have been brain-sucked by Glory in the hospital saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. We get the Knights of Byzantium guy that they have, um, gotten back from the hospital. He's outside and he starts saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. And then his friend, other Knights of Byzantium guy, don't know if he's been named or not. If so, I forgot it. He just gives him like a mercy killing or whatever. He kills him in that moment because they don't want to take care of him, I guess. But so that's kind of sad, but we do get a moment between Buffy and Giles. It didn't feel as weighty as I wanted it to. I don't know if it's just like the writer, the director, like the bringing home of emotions, gravity of the situation didn't feel enough to me. I don't know. Maybe everybody was, maybe everybody was overwhelmed by filming the end of the season. Maybe they were all distracted by the fact that they might get canceled. I don't know. But you know, the scene between, like, Giles is all, like, you know, saying things about, to Buffy, about how proud he is of her and shit like that. You can tell that he thinks he might die, and Buffy's not completely losing it. I just feel like she would be totally beside herself seeing Giles like this, you know? Like, what the fuck? But anyway... Um, but she's apologizing to him, like, this wouldn't have happened to you if we had stayed, blah, blah, blah. Um, another thing, another, like, why isn't this happening? Like, I just feel like I know, okay, maybe I'm just really heartless, but the whole one person versus everyone thing, like, you would think that more people in Buffy's circle would be arguing against why are we protecting Dawn? Like, I realize, well, maybe not. Okay, like, I'm going to talk myself out of this particular thing, because the, a central tenet of the show has always been every human life is extremely important and should be protected at all costs. So, in that sense, I guess... Like, but I feel like in, in the real world, like even good people would be arguing that like, maybe we shouldn't be protecting Dawn. Like if we're all going to fucking die and a hell dimension is going to be opened and an argument could be made that maybe we shouldn't be protecting Dawn. Uh, I know I'm an asshole, but anyway. Um, okay, so at this point, Buffy just like suddenly has an idea. She tells Willow to open a door and she goes to negotiate with the Knights of Byzantium and Xander is there for some reason. She goes to like, be like, you're, you're going to need me to let someone, you're going to need to let me get someone here to help Giles. And they agree 
thanks to Xander, like, translating or something. It's, it's almost like Xander is there to, like, because they're not going to listen to her, but they would listen to him just default because he's a man, maybe? I don't know. This, this felt weird to me, though. Like, why was he there... And then he's the one that convinces them to do what she asks. He's there to, like, be the voice of reason, the translator, the slayer translator. Which, I don't know, this that moment felt, like, weird and sexist to me. But, you know, whatever. I'm probably just looking too much into it. As per usual. Um, then we get all the exposition where the general guy's telling Buffy... Um, about glory and about the key and all that stuff and we get we get the essential information of how to kill glory which is kill the man the god dies um, and I, I do like when Buffy's like that's it that's her master plan she just wants to go home <laughs> but of course opening all opening the key to all the dimensions is going to create all dark forever you know, of course. Um, we get a little moment where, like, we don't know if Ben's gonna hurt, because he's shown up, which, again, why would he come? First of all, why would Buffy call him? Like, you would think, I mean, they were on the road long enough to change drivers, running away so one can assume that they were at least on the road for an hour or two right and then Buffy calls Ben to have him come and it feels weird that she would call him I mean because she would be putting a human that has no that she thinks has no connection to any of this shit in danger you know, and there's no, again, one little line of like, you know, well, I know who I could call, but I don't want to put him in danger. And like, Buffy, just do it. Just do it. We need help. Giles. It's Giles. And she could have been like, okay, that's it. That's all I would have needed. But it just feels kind of weird that she would just like, without a thought, put just some random human in danger. And why would Ben go? Because at this point, we are led to believe that he doesn't want to hurt any innocent people. He is actually a good person. And we are going to see that corrupted, of course, in the next couple of episodes. But at this point, I, and I guess maybe it makes sense. Maybe he went because he's starting to try to gather information and maybe at this point he is already wavering and thinking about he just really wants his life he wants to have his own life he's never had his own life because ever since he was born he's had to share his body with this god so I guess in that sense it makes sense he would go because he doesn't really, he wants to be closer to the situation to kind of assess what, what he's going to do ultimately. And he hasn't decided yet. He hasn't made any actions towards evil yet. Um, but it just seems a little weird. Like if he actually were a good person, why would he go? Because at any point she could take over his body and then they would be in danger. And he knows what's happening with them. You know, he knows what they're running from. 
but anyway, he goes, he helps Giles. We get like a little moment where we weren't sure if he was going to hurt Dawn, but he didn't. He was just helping Giles. And then he starts changing and he tries to get out before it happens. And the way that he's reacting, it's almost like he didn't think that it would happen. It's almost like it's a total surprise for him. Like it didn't occur to him that he could accidentally change into, into glory at any moment and he shouldn't go there. But anyway, that's how the episode ends, essentially. Like he changes into glory right in front of everyone. Like everyone sees it happen, I think. I didn't actually write down who was in the room, but I think everybody saw it happen. And she kills... Gregor, I think this is the first time we get his name, but the general guy, she just kills him really quick. Then she grabs Dawn and she punches a hole through the protective barrier that Willow has put up and she goes and Buffy can't get through the barrier. So she runs back inside and she's like, Willow! And Willow's already on it. Her eyes are already black. She's ready to go. <laughs> She gets the barrier taken down and Buffy, by the time Buffy goes back outside to get through the barrier, like all the Knights of Byzantium are dead. All of them. Like, I don't know how Glory just like instantaneously killed all of them and took Dawn with her, but she did and she is gone. And so of course everybody runs outside and everybody's just sort of like, okay, like Spike's like, get the keys, we'll get in the car because they have Ben's car. Uh, Ben's car is there. Um, and they're all just kind of like trying to, you know, come to action or whatever. And Buffy just is staring out just like completely hopeless. And she sinks down to the ground and you can hear sort of like from her perspective, you can hear kind of Willow's voice. She's like, Buffy, Buffy, stand up. We need you. Come on. We need to go. We need to go right now. And, um, Dawn just sort of, or Buffy just sort of like sinks down to the ground and just, you can hear like Willow's voice getting further away. Like she's kind of like tunnel hearing, like she's underwater. And that makes up for a lot because I just, I totally get this plot point. Like I said before, I totally get it. Buffy is overwhelmed, so, so overwhelmed that she just goes fucking catatonic. Let me see if there's anything else, else in my notes that I didn't say. That's it. That's it. Um, so I will, let's see, let's do ratings, I guess. Object of the episode. What did my mom say? Oh, she wants the RV. Um, so I'm going to, cause I can't really think of any specific thing that I would want from this episode. So, um, my mom said she wanted the RV, which, hey, so do I. I mean, it's not great just in and of itself, but just having something like that would be cool. As long as it worked well and everything and you could make it clean and it didn't have some really weird, scary smell. Um, I would love to have one of those just like, you know, in my family, just sharing it or something so that, you know, yeah, sure. That's the object of the episode. Quote of the episode, like I said before, was that, uh, anyone else feel that? 
the cold paralyzing what, what was it oh my god that's two pages ago cold draft of paralyzing fear <laughs> um outfit of the episode i didn't even really like glory's outfit in this episode like everybody's in the same outfits throughout the whole episode and they're gonna be in most of the next episode too i think but i didn't really like glory's like white lacy dress when she gets hit by the truck although ben looked good in it give him that he looked good in it but he looks good in a lot of things <laughs> um god was anyone wearing anything interesting you know what i'm gonna give outfit of the episode to tara because she's at least comfortable during all of this like crazy terror she doesn't like i mean she has her her regular like brain sucked like generalized terror at everything but she doesn't she doesn't seem more terrified when super terrifying things are happening throughout this episode and she's wearing like pajamas and like a really soft looking fleece jacket and i don't like it at all aesthetically but it looks comfortable so i'm gonna give it to her because <laughs> i really hate willow's like bedazzled plaid shirt which was a total thing in the year 2001 like that whole that whole like the cover of madonna's music album situation of like western shirts that were bedazzled like i love sparkle don't get me wrong and i love a pearly snapped plaid shirt absolutely but do not put those th two things together ever 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 especially with like a turtleneck so willow gets like worst outfit of the episode because i can't stand it buffy's is fine it looks like a perfectly fine fighting outfit she's wearing like black leather and like a white thermal shirt or something it's very utilitarian very slayer on the run it totally makes sense but I am just going to give outfit of the episode to Tara because she looks comfortable. That's it. Um, MVP of the episode. Uh, hmm. I, you know what? Instead of giving it to a person, I'm going to give it to a moment. I'm gonna give it to the shot of Spike whenever you first see him at the wheel of the RV whenever he's like wearing his goggles and he's like smirking and he's it's just hilarious I'm sure there's a gif of that moment and I'm sure that it's used all the time I just that was a really great shot I'm just gonna give it to that moment yeah I'm giving MVP to moments now deal with it um, okay five by five I mean, despite the fact that there are just like so many plot points that I just, I'm, I just have questions. I just have questions. Like, why is no one in the writer's room asking these questions? Because of the pressure to put out 22 episodes per season on a certain timetable, blah, 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 blah. If Buffy were, were remade today, 
the seasons would probably be shorter and they would have more time to craft them better. But that's not the case. This this episode of television is 20 years old. So, 20 years. That is just... Like, I hate to be that person, but, like, I was already... When this episode came out, I was... I don't know the exact day that I graduated high school, but I graduated high school in mid-May, or at least sometime in May 2001. So, I'm literally at the moment this episode was airing as I was graduating high school. Like, that was 20 years ago? Yep, that was 20 years ago. It truly was. <laughs> I am 38 motherfucking years old. Holy shit. Um, okay. So, 5 by 5 Uh, I don't even know why I still do this, because I don't even write it down anymore. I just, I just tell you guys, and that's it. I mean, I guess there's a document of it, because it's on this podcast, but... <laughs> I, I do think it's a good episode, but it is not one that I would think to myself, gee, I want to watch Spiral today, because it's, even if, like, you told me Spiral was the name of an episode, I wouldn't necessarily know that it was this episode. Um, obviously, because I thought it was Weight of the World. That's the episode I thought I was watching today. <laughs> um... So, for that reason, I think I'll give it, I'll just give it a three, because it's a very good episode, but it's not, like, you know, top 25 material or anything. It's not a fun episode. Um, and yeah, it's gonna get darker. Although I think Weight of the World, I mean, that's the one where we get Willow kind of going into a trance with Buffy and helping her work through psychologically the issues that she needs to work through in order to wake up from her catatonia. Um, her catatonic state, or however you're supposed to say that. Um, I think it's it's an interesting episode. I think I'm going to enjoy that episode more than this one. Um, and from what I remember, The Gift is a very well-crafted, very enjoyable episode. So I think the next two episodes are really going to be top-notch, and they're going to get higher ratings, but for this episode, I'll just give it a three. It's fine. <laughs> Don't I give everything a three at this point? Unless it's really awful or really amazing. I feel like the only ratings I ever give are like one, three, or five, but whatever. I give it a three. So thank you guys so much for listening. So I will be back next Saturday for Weight of the World, and then two weeks from today the last episode of season five. Hopefully by then I will have composed a list like I usually do for the summers. Um, because of the nature of the podcast, we won't have any Buffy episodes to talk about until probably September after two weeks from today. So um, I will likely compose like a survey of like movies from 20 years ago that we could talk about over the summer and have you guys vote on which movies you want me to cover. Um, I haven't figured that out yet, but just, just to let you guys know, that is usually the structure for summers on this podcast. And like 
as per usual, I will not be consistent. I will post one episode every two, three, four weeks. Who knows? Last summer it was like I didn't post anything for like two months and then I did like a few movies the last month before Buffy started back up again, but whatever. We'll deal with that when we get there, but just so you guys know what's coming. Um, that's it. That's what's coming. An episode next week and then two weeks from today and then we'll be done talking about season five. So crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I will talk to you next week. Bye!